Oh, let the harps break forth in sound, our joy be all with music crowned, our voices gladly blending. For Christ goes with us all the way, today, tomorrow, every day. His love is never ending. Sing out, ring out, jubilation, exaltation, tell the story. Christ is he, great is he, the king of glory. That's how you begin each day, isn't it? With that kind of joy in your heart when you get out of bed and you're ready to meet the world and take on the challenges. Your heart is just filled with that exaltation, jubilation, wanting to tell the story. Me neither. At least certainly not every day. But we have the ability to know That that joy is given to us. That the truths of what we just sang is indeed true. And that it is ours in Christ Jesus. And that perhaps, no matter how difficult, no matter what the challenges or the struggles may be for us on any given morning, that as we have the privilege of being reminded of our baptism, perhaps that joy will be that much closer to each of our hearts. St. Paul writes in Romans chapter 6, Do you not know that all of us who, were, who have been baptized into Christ Jesus have been baptized into his death? We were buried therefore with him by baptism into death in order that Just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. This is the word of the Lord. Brothers and sisters in Christ, those of you here present in in church, those of you joining us on this special occasion or for any number of reasons, and those of you joining us through our media broadcast It is wonderful to be able to share the joy of the Lord with you. And to do so on, well, a special day, at least one of the Sundays every year that we typically would observe at this time, namely the occasion of Jesus' baptism. We heard it in the gospel reading for today. Each of the Gospels, uh, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, share their account. Mark's was the one we heard today, where it says, And Jesus came from Nazareth to be baptized by John in the Jordan. John, of course, objected. John said, wait, something's wrong here. I shouldn't be baptizing you. You should be baptizing me. But Jesus said, no. This is the appropriate thing and the fulfillment of the law. And so we hear the voice from heaven. We hear the affirmation of his son, his beloved son, who pleased the father. We got to witness a baptism. Two baptisms. And perhaps you might be recalling your own if you can remember that. For many of us may not be able to. Many of us raised in the Lutheran church probably were like uh, Addison and Jason just a few days, weeks, months old and have no recollection 
of being baptized, but they will know it. Not just a certificate from the church, but the faith story that is shared with them as they grow in that knowledge of the Lord, of his word, and as they grow in faith. But there are any number, many who are baptized and perhaps can specifically remember when that took place and what they experienced. Did you hear a voice from heaven? Did you have the Holy Spirit descend upon you like a dove? Probably not. Would that have made it more memorable? Undoubtedly. But would it have changed anything that took place through that sacrament? Some have wondered why the first reading of the day on the Old Testament lesson was the very first five verses of the Bible from Genesis. In the beginning, God created the heavens and on the earth. And as those who put together our schedule of readings, some might wonder, why did they choose that verse to go with the baptism of Jesus? I don't suppose any of you want to take a stab at why we would have the account of God creating the world and the first day of creation on this day. Here's the point where I wait until some of you timid Lutherans might say something. And if you're raising your hand, forget it. Not going to see it. I'm just telling you, I'm not going to see it. Okay, I'll tell you the answer. Well, at least what I would think. It says that at the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And God spoke, let there be. And there was. Interesting. Jesus, the Son of God, who John calls the very Word of God, who was at the beginning, who through him was made everything and nothing that is was made without him. Jesus there comes up out of the waters and the Holy Spirit hovering, if you will, descending on him like a dove and God speaks. You are my beloved Son. With you I am well pleased. Interesting. You see, baptism ultimately is not about us. It's not about Addison or Jason or, or anyone else in that sense that it is all begins with the triune God. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And as we hear these words once again from Paul in the book of Romans, we're reminded that something is taking place in baptism that is certainly beyond our comprehension. It says that we are united with Christ in his death and burial. Have you ever given that much thought? We know that baptism making use of, of water. By the way, one of the things that I always look forward to in the fall, the kindergartners have a class in, in religion, a section on baptism, and the teachers make arrangements that 
on a little field trip that they come over here to the church and, and usually I'm the one who gets to talk with them and show them the font and talk about baptism. Some of them um, may know a little bit about baptism that they've learned, but as kindergartners, they may, may or may not even know whether they've been baptized. So they have lots of questions and so forth. We talk about how baptism is is Paul says in Ephesians chapter 5, a washing of the water with the word. Luther says it's not just plain water, simple water that does this incredible thing called baptism, but it is the water with God's word and promises. And so we talk about how it's like taking a bath, like taking a shower, washing our face or hands and, and cleansing us as we receive God's grace in Jesus. Well, one of these kindergartners happened to um, go home and talk with her mom about the day. And I happened to be able to talk with the mom because she was in the new member class. And I said, so tell me, I understand your kindergartners went over to the church. I was curious to know whether they even would have known that I was there or that there was even a pastor there for that matter. And I'm not sure that ever came up with the kindergartners because what they remembered and as this little girl said to her mother when she asked, what did you learn today? She said, we learned about baptism. Isn't that brilliant? In one sense, that's exactly what takes place. The washing of water with the word. That God's people receive the cleansing and are clothed with the robe of Christ's righteousness. And yet there's more. This being united with Christ in his death and burial. And then, even as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, you and I and all who have been baptized now have the privilege and the opportunity to live each day in the newness of life. The newness of life. Again, I don't know about you. I happen to absolutely love the hymn we just sang. And when I sing it, it's, it's just something that I wish, um, you know, you could just experience not just in your mind and heart, but in all emotion and passion of that anticipation of Jesus returning and the joy that we have now. But I would use that to describe what I consider to be newness of life. That rising each morning to be able to have that kind of, of passion and commitment and of desire and plan and purpose and knowing that the Heavenly Father has chosen us, has put His name upon us and has made us His. Adopted us into His family and connected us with Jesus in a way that we will not truly understand this side of heaven. So, what does that impact? How does it impact you and me today? Again, many of us were not even cognizant of our baptisms at the time. For some of us, it was decades ago 
What difference does that make now? Well, I think we get some of the answer to that. As we study these powerful words where, where we're told about this mystical union between Christ and the believer. And the part where it says that just as Christ died to once and for all and he died to sin, so those who are united with him through baptism also have died. And why is that significant? Because once a person has died, the power of sin, you know what I'm talking about? Sin, I guess you could say with a capital S, the power of sin that we each are born with, and which demonstrates itself every day in our hearts and in our minds in terms of not just the temptations, but the actions, the thoughts, and words that are constantly wanting us to, to well, focus only on good old number one. Rather than loving our God with heart, soul, and mind, or our neighbors as ourselves. The sin that's in the world making this world, if you will, the craziness and the chaos that it seems that 2020 has experienced. Sure, pandemics, riots, peaceful protests, violent protests, overthrowing of the capital, election fraud allegations, those who think the president should be impeached. Sin. It's what is the root cause of any and all suffering and division and brokenness. And there it is. That sin, you and I have died to sin, meaning that it can no longer force us to do what it wants. It can no longer control us to say, you don't have a chance. This is just who you are. You are sinful by nature and therefore you must follow what I tell you to do. But God disagrees. You have died to sin. And so you must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God. So that each and every morning you can indeed, no matter what the past day has given or done, no matter what our pasts and our ghosts and our skeletons and all of those things, no matter what they are, in Christ we begin each day new. Martin Luther, who teaches us so much about so many things, he suggested that we in fact begin each day being reminded of our baptism and, and doing so by making the sign of the cross and, and saying the words that we began the service with and that we do baptisms with, namely in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And then after prayer, to go about our day cheerfully to accomplish what God has for us. Whenever you ask the question of, I wonder what this person was thinking or feeling, it's perhaps most often a question that can't be answered. 
But I do wonder what Jesus was thinking and feeling when he heard the Father's voice speak to him and say, you are my beloved son, with you I am well pleased. Now, of course, Jesus was true God, so he could have said, yeah, I know. But he was also 100% human. And like nearly every human, we like to hear words of affirmation. Words of encouragement. Words that we've, quote, done a good job or that we are loved simply because of who we are. You know the feeling. And who tells it to us may even impact how good we feel. Imagine, though, if God himself were to speak those words to you right now. If you're like me, you might say, wait a minute, Lord. Are you kidding? You must be just saying that because you know my heart. You know my thoughts. You know, you know everything that I've been and done. And, and how can you possibly say that, that, that I'm pleasing to you? And yet, the Lord says, you are my son, you are my daughter. I love you, and you are pleasing to me because of what Jesus has been united with you through. That you have been given his robe of righteousness. Your sins have been removed as far as the east is from the west. Even as the water washes sin or dirt away, so we stand before the Lord. Affirmed, commended, loved, and refreshed. So that we can walk in newness of life. May it be so. In Jesus' name, amen. And now may the peace of God, which passes all understanding, guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.